Welcome to another installment of Supercoach Insider. My name is Ben. And I'm Chris. And thank you for joining us for the Essendon Bombers podcast. So our team analysis. You threw me for a bit there. Installment. Installment. It's getting that installation gone. Well, we got so many, we have to install them over 18 episodes. So there you go, Chris. Fair enough. I like it. Um, Yes, into the the Bombers. Uh, A little bit strange, the Bombers this year, I think. Um, A lot of of off-season movement. A lot of people coming back. Uh, from injury, and they so seem think, many. They seem to think that they're tilted for a run at the at the top. Something. Eight, Eighteen people in rehab over Christmas does not give me <laughs> no. good confidence. Mm, me neither. And that's and that's just for the drinking, Chris. <laughs> no, exactly right. <laughs> um, but look, let's get straight into it. As you do, if you uh, if you've been with our other uh, podcast, you know our format's pretty regular. Yes. Uh, we're going to go through a little bit about the bombers last year, uh, a little bit about their fixture where we see them this year and then go right through premiums, breakout contenders, rookies, etc. Etc. So if you have missed anything, we've already done from Adelaide all the way through to Collingwood. So they're on YouTube. They're on pretty much everywhere, Chris. On Spotify, SoundCloud, you name it. So it's uh, facebook.com forward slash SC Insider. Yep. And uh, Twitter, where you can actually find us as well. It's uh, SC underscore Insider underscore. And uh, Twitch... Chris. Yeah, twitch.tv forward slash SC Insider, but where uh, these are not recorded on Twitch, but our, no, not, in future yep. we will be obviously recording on Twitch moving forward. Uh, so, uh, Essen, they do have the round 12 buy, which is obviously the first buy, uh, which is good for uh, upgrade targets. So, if you do want to round out your midfield with some of these guys, or if you want to, if you see a defensive upgrade that you can grab, um, I would recommend these guys, generally speaking, later in the season. I don't think there's going to be much starting relevancy, but we'll still go through it. There's probably only even two people that you'd probably upgrade to, surely. Yeah, yeah. So, Not a many. Um, look, they do have a good start and end to the season. Uh, they have a manageable series of dub- double-up games. They play the Giants and Pies, but then North Sydney and Adelaide. So if they are actually in decent winning form, that's three favourable fixtures and two ones they're probably not going to win, let's be honest. Um, they start with Frio at Marvel, Sydney away, Carlton at the G, and then they've got Giants at Marvel. So they could literally be three and one leading into their uh, the fifth round, uh, which would be nice. I think the fifth round is Collingwood and the Anzac Day game. So um, again, probably a loss there. But if they can win those uh, first three and then at least go into some confidence with Gi- against Giants, it's at Marvel Stadium. They might be in with a little bit of a cheeky there. So yeah, they, def- they definitely need see. everyone back on the park though, and we'll get into some of those injuries. But I even watched their time trial. I think the video I had a look at it today, and there must have been only about oh, there was a small group. Let's put it that way. So you're looking at a full squad, and a full squad's meant to be what like forty odd. Uh yeah, in forty five. I think yeah, forty five or so. Yeah. I reckon. I reckon I saw maybe about twenty people running their time trial. Ouch down. Um and, and yeah, so I mean it was good to watch some people run, but I'm like, who's this guy? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? No idea. Ugh, unlucky. Yes. Uh, well, uh, they also end with the Crows at Marvel, the Pies at the G, Port away, and Sydney at home in round twenty two. Their last fixtures obviously against Lions um, away in, in round twenty three. So they do have some decent ending fixtures. Um, and look, let's go with through last year. They kind of stumbled into eighth spot. Um, they finished in uh, 12th uh, with, with a percentage of 95. 
which all of the teams below them finish with plus, like the, the next three or four teams all finish with 100 plus percentage. Yep. They just got lucky that the other guys fell, faltered at the line and they just happened to slip into that eighth spot, which uh, 12 wins in the 18 team format doesn't generally get you into the finals. It's usually 13. So I kind of feel like they got a little bit lucky there, but just saying. Well, Essendon were happy. <laughs> I'm sure. Absolutely, you'd be happy if you're Essendon. Essendon were happy and West Coast were also happy because it was an easy win. That's true. Um, Unfortunately... And so, look, in the off-season, uh, Luke Lavender retired. I don't think he had much, many games anyway. David Myers retired. Mark Bagley retired. Matt D retired. Ben McNeese was delisted. Jordan Houlihan was delisted. Zach Clark was delisted, unfortunately. Um, Trent Minot was delisted. Jake Long was delisted. And Tom Jock was delisted along with Mitch Brown. Yep. So a lot of their fringe players... Um, or in and out of the 22 for the last few years. Well, apparently they could have done it better um, in delisting uh, Chris because normally you'd expect a face-to-face, and I think um, McNeese got a, a, a text message. And it oh, wasn't, really? Well, it wasn't, very, it wasn't McNeese of them, McNeese of them. <laughs> Could have done it is better. That, is that true, or is that actually just a joke that you just made for this? Oh, for that? No, it's just a long joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they did have a face to face saying your your career ends. I should have known your career ends here. That's not an actual thing. Not an actual thing. Um, I'm actually surprised that they delisted Tom Jock and Mitch Brown. I thought Tom Jock showed quite a bit in the limited games that he had last. Oh, year. I think he showed too much. That's why he got delisted. <laughs> too too much Jock. As you do, um, and Mitch Brown has been serviceable as a backup for them. I mean. The amount of injuries that they've had through that forward line, it's it's surprising that they didn't offer him at least a one-year contract just to try and get him through. Or something, yeah. Something. It's. I, I thought that was a bit of a crazy deal listing. I wouldn't. I would not have done that if you if you ask me. They obviously got Andrew Phillips from Carlton, so a serviceable backup ruckman um, because Tom Bell Chambers is held together with sticky tape, um, and he played five games last year with an average of ninety-two point eight. So. Uh, one score over a hundred, which was one hundred and fourteen. I don't think he's really super coach relevant. Um, and it remains to be seen if he's even in the picture as he might not even be first backup. I do think that uh, Sam Draper, who we'll talk a little bit more about later, yes. could be the first cab off the rank there. Time for the Kearns to open. That's true. They also got Tom Cutler from Brisbane. Um, I don't really think he's SC relevant, but he's definitely relevant to the team. I think he probably will he, play round one. Yeah, I think he's relevant to the team. They, they seem to have high hopes for him, and uh, unlike Brisbane, so... Yes, and uh, Jacob Jacob Townsend from uh, Richmond, who sort of had a bit of a flash in the pan um, in the back end of, I think it was 2018, when he was uh, performing really well, but I think he only managed a a few games last year. Again, unlikely to be super coach relevant. However, he's only 222K, so someone that you might want to keep an eye on in the preseason if he gets a good enough role, which I'm not sure he will. Um, Too muchy-muchy. But look, they really haven't lost too much in terms of their main list. Most of what they've uh, that, that has left has all been fringe players, guys that even got them through the Asada saga um, that they drafted and they've sort of held on their list for a few years and now they've finally let them go. Um, really, the big thing about last year was all their injury setbacks and it's probably going to continue to be the story this year. I mean, you had injury-defining um, year for Joe Danaher, who played four games, Devin yeah. Smith, who played seven, and Arajo Fantasia, who played 13, but... He may as well have played half of that because half of it he was hobbling around with an ankle issue or a foot issue, I should say. Um, they also had injury-interrupted years to Hurley, Stringer, Hooker, and Heppel. So none of them played more than 18 games. Um, and they were all staggered, so you'd miss, you'd never have them all together. So they never really got a real run at it. And I think that's why they're optimistic. They still need them to be healthy and have a preseason, though. 
So it's it's going to be tough. Um, a consistency is really, really hard for us in this, but last year and this year. Impressively, they ranked six for meters gain. This is one of my favorite stats of the year, by the way. They ranked six for meters gain. That's because you had Saad and Tipper and... For all these fantastic halfback flankers that move the ball up the field, right? McKenna, yeah. But they ranked 15th for inside 50s. <laughs> so, now I have worked this out. They are the biggest midfield butchers known to man. So Dylan Shields kicking oh, at 53%. I remember some of Dylan Shields' kicks, actually. Remember some of his kicks oh, inside 50 were horrible. Absolutely shocking. And kicked out in the full, having a shot for goal. So essentially all that means yep. that ball movement until they get to half forward is fantastic. But they can't make that final kick inside with progress. Well, maybe because they're looking at everyone going, mm, not you, not you. Well, this is where I see Tom Cutler coming into it. So I do think that Tom Cutler potentially pushes into half back line and they move Saad further up the field. Saar was their uh, most impressive kick last year, and he actually averaged 70, uh, he had 74.9% kicking efficiency. So it's a really important cog in their wheel that they currently do not have. They just turn the ball over. Other things, obviously, they factored into that. Obviously, their forward line was dysfunctional, and especially with uh, Fantasia. I think that Fantasia is a really important player for them, linking the play between the wing and half forward. And because he was stationed in the 450, he just never got into the, into the game that way. So that's also impactful. And it's one of the reasons why I really don't like Smith as a pick. We'll, we'll touch on a bit on that later. But he had the lowest kicking efficiency for the year. And Prenderley is a really bad kick at 44%. So he's not the answer to improving their kicking woes. And you do have other guys that could potentially get more time, like Parrish, who are better kicks, kicking at about 62%. Mini guns. So we'll go into that. But their, their biggest issue right now is their delivery into their forward 50. Yep. Um, and linking the play from half back to half forward. So if they can get a full list on the park and actually get some continuity together, yeah. then they can actually try and start to build and Absolutely. do some good things. So, but the fact that they still um, have a coach for this year and then it's a handover process for next year, right? I don't mind that. No, I don't mind that I at all. But, it's, that, yeah, but it's it, about it, developing to me, that year, says right? that they're still not committed on this year anyway. So Probably. I think next year is the year, and it's this year they're going to still get some development into their boys. I like it. Um, now, I just want to uh, put a little side note here. I have put in um, Heppel shaved his head uh, for charity, which yes. is absolutely fantastic. He raised $285,000 just for shaving his head. Well, apparently you also, had, you also had nits, so it came at a good time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dumb, didn't didn't recognise him. Kind of guy. Didn't recognise him, to be honest. I was like, who's this guy? Um, so yeah, look, right. Good think, on him. Good on him. I mean, yes, he now looks like a criminal, but I think he did a really good job. Um, well, he's in line to be uh, traded now to Collingwood then. Yeah, that's right. Just yeah. knock out a tooth, he's lined up. Eddie's probably already knocked on his door. He, like, he likes doing that to the good players. Um, but look, I, I'm so, so super stoked uh, for someone like um, Dyson Ebel um, to raise that much money uh, for the bushfire awareness. That's absolutely fantastic, and we applaud that. So well done. Yes, well done, well done, done Dyson. Uh, premiums. Um, so we'll start in defense, as we usually do, except they don't really have a premium defender right now. So... The closest thing that they've really got is Michael Hurley, um, 432k. He only averaged 79.1, and he's obviously not taking kickouts with Sard and McKenna back there, which obviously impacts his scoring. He did have a, he went on a couple of good runs though, like as we, we were tracking that in last year in the little bet that we had. But I think he's probably good for an 80 to 85 average in draft, but I, I wouldn't be backing him anything in standard. Yeah, he also got injured a couple of times. Injured on 32, exactly round 17. Right. Injured on 48 and round 23. Two average, uh, true average of 84.7. Yeah. Um, so he did have shoulder surgery in the off-season, so he came back for the final series. Uh, end of season as end of season shoulder surgery. So progressing, he's running and all that yep. sort of stuff, but... 
with shoulders, you need to be optimistic on contact to start the year. Well, the, the biggest issue with uh, him being injured is that he's the linchpin of what makes their entire side tick because as soon as he comes out, Kate Hooker has to push back into defense. Yes. And you want, if you don't have Danaher, you kind of want Kate Hooker forward of the ball because you need a marking target there. So um, Hurley's really important to them structure-wise. So that's essentially six games that they missed out on him for. And yeah, it's, 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 it must be tough being a Bomber supporter just having to go through all these injuries constantly. They just need a good run. Yeah, that's it. That's all they need. Um, there's someone who can kick the football fairly well, Zach Merritt. Um, look, I don't think... I think last year I probably went a little bit optimistic thinking he could get back to his 110, maybe even 115 self. Um, he, he, he shows patches, though. Which he is, does. You know, you see uh, from round two to round 13, he averaged 116. Yep. So he goes on these good patches where he just absolutely towers up. And then he gets tagged or, or something like that. And... Um, Look, seven scores of 120 plus, three of those 137 plus, uh, lows of 67 and 59. Absolutely. So he only had three scores below 85. But the biggest issue I have with Zach Merritt, apart from, you know, they kind of rely on him too much so it's they can shut him down, but he still stays at around the same percentage of time on ground. 77.5% time on ground for the last, the last three years, it's been the same. So you look at guys that, you know, your Crips and your Fives, they're getting high 80s. They're on like 89% time on ground because they can push forward. These key people, and I'm sure Merritt, his points per minute are great, but to get to that 115 and the 120 and to it's try and really be that, that top six or top eight midfielder, he needs to play more time on ground. And part of that might be rotating forward, but he's not a forward. He's not. He really isn't. So. so you just need to build your tank and stay on there longer. And look, I think overall what that really means for someone like Zach Merritt is, to in, in all honesty, he's probably the only way that he's super coach relevant this year is in round 13. And that's when you're looking at those round 12 players for their upgrades yep. to your midfield. I'm, I'm looking for him straight after the bye. Absolutely. Yep. So, um, so he's definitely one to be in consideration. Um, and I think... Because of the way he's scoring in patterns and it's erratic and he doesn't really have a really big ceiling, he's probably going to be affordable. He'll be under yeah. 550k most likely, potentially even as low as 500k or even below. Yeah. So, Hopefully he has a low game just coming into the buys. That'd be perfect. Absolutely. Uh, and not one of the 135 games that you know he can sort of pull out. 100%. But I think he he will definitely be at least an over 100 averaging player and likely sit somewhere between 105, 110, 110 yep. most years. So yep. he's not a terrible pick. But no. he's not a pick that you need to start with. He's not going to burn you. With the first buy, I wouldn't pick him up at all. Like yep. we said, try and hope you get him cheaper. After the first buy, he's primed for picking. And then you just have to hope he goes on a heater like he can do. He can pull patches of 116. Absolutely, yeah. And he could be a good point of difference for you straight after that buy. I, I totally yep. agree with you. Um, the other two, obviously, in the midfield there that are of note, Heppel and Shield, really not going to be... Uh, I don't think they're ever going to be super coach stand relevant. Um, but they are obviously draft relevant, so if you can pick them up as you, you know, third midfielder ish, um, they're yeah, both. Always, I mean, their their gaps ninety five to one hundred and five. So a good year for them is really one hundred and five. Yeah, they're probably more like a hundred, and a bad year is going to be ninety five. So they're going to be pretty consistent um, for your draft team. I think they're fairly consistent. I think Shield will probably settle in a little more now. Um, if he fixed his kicking up, yeah, he I could think, average 115. He's not a bad player, though. I think he just had a his bit, bit of a bad terrible. run. But the thing, though, like Shield over Heppel, though, in the fact that Shield has gone on patches before where he has averaged 120 for half a season. Yep. You know what I mean? So maybe now second year into the Dons, he's a bit more settled in his role and the team and his teammates and what he can do. He, he almost Hopefully. has the entire package, except he can't kick. Well, like He can do everything else. He just can't kick properly. 
What concerns me with Dylan Shield, though, is that he has uh, knee meniscus issues. Yep, that doesn't And help. he attended to that end of season, so his preseason has been limited. And he has Another been notorious one. for... Another one. Well, he's been notorious for knee issues. Like most of GWS at the previous ones, the people that have left, um, Devin Smith also had knee issues. So you're looking at... Also couldn't kick. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, all right, and we'll, we'll get on to Smithy very shortly. But the first one that I want to talk about in the forward line, you know uh, we're, who we're talking about here, it's uh, Miniguns Parish. Right. Parish is, uh, is ab- went an absolute tear last year. He's uh, 465K. He averaged 85.7 and has forward mid eligibility. Um, he moved to the midfield and had a breakout year. He was um, knocked out on 26 in round 20 and missed round 21 with concussion symptoms. But from round 10 onwards, his true average was 96.6, uh, which would be well in consideration for top six forwards this year. So if he can maintain his role, his odds on to be a top six, potentially top 10 Chris, forward. you can't say someone's true average from round 10 would be this. It's their, their average from round 10 would be this. And if you take out their average, that would be their true Like, their injury, that would be true was, average. He got knocked That's down, misleading. He got knocked down the first quarter on 26. Yeah, so after round 10, if you take out that injury, he would average That's exactly 96. what I said. You said true average, mate. That's, that's true average. That's bullshit. That's I not true average. I think you need to calm, calm That's not true average there. at all, Chris. Uh, but uh, bringing up Parrish, though. Okay, so five scores of 110+. plus. From round 7 to round 16, he averaged 97 over uh, 9 rounds. So there you go. True oh, average okay. of 88.8. I'm going to throw out my stats that are completely average. more irrelevant than your and stats. excuse me, no one has been bigger on Darcy Miniguns Parish in the past couple of years than this guy. Uh, that's that's true, except for maybe Chizo. He loves these... Uh, hey, Darcy- he's, in, he's in my keeper league, so... <laughs> yeah. uh, so the only issue really going forward, because I think that he played so well that he should secure more mid-time, the only issue really is obviously the injured players coming back. So... What does Devin Smith coming back mean for his role? So I'll be watching heavily in preseason to see. He's in that mix of that F3 type players that could be potentially top 6, 10 this year. Yeah, or it could be a Mills of 2020. Could be as well. Um, Where well, you, well, you hope they're going 90 plus and they do not. Like you know, it's about role. Yes, if he's starting always. round one in the midfield, then I have no doubts that he will be yep. a top forward selection this year. But And we've touched on that a few to... times, even your Dan Houstons and everyone else. It's always about role. Absolutely. Always, always, always. Brett, coming on to Devin Smith. So uh, 335k forward mid. Very, very popular mid-price selection this year. Uh, prior to Smith's injury in round eight, though, uh, Devin's uh, role had already been changed. So um, the previous yep. year, average 97, playing oh. purely midfield, basically a little bit of forward. So many tackles, was just killing it with the pressure, playing all mid. Absolutely. And then they brought in Dylan Shield, and then catch you and later. Your mate's in, and, and you're in the forward line, and he did not do well. No. He scored horribly, and so many people picked him up at a high average in standard in draft, and he stunk it up big time. I Absolutely. And um, so I'm not entirely sure, especially with the way that their problems of ball movement are, that Devin Smith will get that midfield time. I think that Devin Smith is more valuable to the Bombers as a forward pressure player. They would probably be better with Devin Smith playing forward and McDonald Tip and Woody playing on the wing. He's a very good kick, very fast, very agile, applies pressure around the ball. Makes things happen. I, yeah. <laughs> um, look, don't get me wrong. The, the pressure that he applies at the contest is fantastic. Yep. But once he has the ball in his hands, he is a liability. Yeah, I That's think the, problem. The, the benefit that could happen, though, is that you're looking at people like Azaharakis, who is injured, and we'll probably touch on him in yep. a second, but 
He might actually, Devin might get some opportunity early on, which could inflate his average, which could help his price go up. And again, it's all depending on the role. Like we, Devin could be a great player and he has averaged 80 flat to 88 previously yeah. in that forward role for GWS. So it's Even not if he's unrealistic. Forward, he could still go all right. He could still go he's 80 to 84. Yeah. For, for 320k though, I mean, you know, maybe if it was 260k, if you averaged your 80 odd, you'd be looking at that's a pretty good success. But at that three, what, 320? 335. 335. He needs he needs to average high 80s to even make it probably successful well, for me. I'm of the opinion it's just a, it's such an awkward price that I'd want him to be a keeper because you're looking at 20 25k and you're at Jack Steven. Are, are you getting Jack Steven to make 100k? No, you're getting Jack Steven because you think he's going to be top six, right? Yeah. Like so, he's taking that spot. That's that's who you're competing with. So for me. Unless he's gonna, unless you think he's gonna be a keeper, I just think that's a waste of money. I would much rather go 140k down to Stephen Hill, who might average 80 as well, mm. and you're making a lot more money. So he's a really awkward pick. I'm not a huge fan. I can see why you'd want to, yeah, but unless I'm, he's playing pure midfield, I'm not interested. I feel you. Uh, I'm I'm on the fence in a certain. To a certain extent, as in I could be swung depending on the preseason and how he's looking. If he's fit and his body's looking good, then... Well, all reports are is super fit. Oh, well, then he's in my side. There you go. <laughs> that doesn't mean he's going to be playing the right role. There you role, go. Though. No, I'll keep an eye out for him. But he has been in my side once, and I've probably made about seven sides. So, look, it, he's in contention for me. I'm not definitely ruling him out because he does have that potential. But I want to see something. I want to have some kind of saving grace where I have some confidence in his um, ability to move forward. Fair enough. Um, now, in the rucks, um, there's, there isn't a ruck premium worth talking about. Again, Tom Bell Chambers, uh, too injured to even consider in, uh, in standard. Um, obviously, if you're looking into draft purposes, one of those in the same boat as Matthew Cruiser, if he's your last pick and you can just grab him, great. Um, not entirely sure how many games he's going to play, and uh, part of that is because of the rookies. Um, so Sam Draper, um, big raps on, on, on Sammy Draper. Uh, very highly touted. Obviously, I had a big contract float in front of him by St Kilda in this offseason. Yes. Um, as did down, everyone. As did everyone. Turned it down, and I'm assuming that that's got to be a some sort of guarantee of game time if he's fit. Obviously, did his ACL, I think, back in May last year. Um, so he's you know, obviously big men with lower leg injuries. You want to spend a little bit more time. So will he play round one? Maybe, maybe not. But he will play sometime this season. So When did he do his ACL? May last year. So he ain't playing. Yeah, it's, well, it's usually a 12-month injury. Yeah, so May. Yeah, but that's if you... like ACLs can be quicker, depending on the rehab process. Yeah. can be six months, seven months, depending on the rehab. Yeah, I don't like it. can be even quicker, but it does depend... With taller guys, you want to give them that a little bit longer. So I think he's probably playing May, maybe June. So he will play at some stage this year. Okay. Um, I just don't think it's going to be... So early. what you're saying is he could be a good... Loophole option to start the year Absolutely. and then make, and then you, make get, you some cash, some cash. Yeah. and then you'll have some other spuds already getting you zeros. Or someone like a Darcy Cameron that you start in round one who's getting games, he appreciates and you can downgrade him later on to Sammy Draper. So okay. if, I mean, timing's obviously everything with that, but um, it's something to look out for. Again, don't think he starts round one, but he will definitely get games this year. Um, and so the Andrew Phillips selection, obviously, is he ahead of Draper at full fitness? I'm not sure. So that's... Yeah, don't that, think, I don't think so. Going to be interesting. 
Um, other rookies, so in terms of the draft, they do, uh, Essendon drafted two tools with pick 30 and 38. Harrison Jones and Nick Bryan, and a small forward at 56 called Ned Cahill. So they've got some Danaher insurance. Basically. Um, they've, they've drafted for development, which again just doesn't seem like a team like Essendon. They should be drafting for immediate need, but they, they drafted for development. So all of these three guys are not are unlikely to play this year. Um, and they're really casting development towards those guys next year and the year onwards. Um, also, uh, they, they trumped Lions father-son selection, Lockie uh, Johnson, yeah. who, that, who Lions actually wanted to pick up in the um, rookie draft because I think he did his ACL or something. So yeah. he's not going to play at all this year. And so Essendon picked him up, pick 65, and trumped him, and the Lions didn't match the bid. So well, they couldn't. They couldn't. They didn't have the, the points, right? Yeah. So a bit of a dog act by Essendon, but, you know. Well, they, they probably... Would, would expect nothing less. <laughs> That's true. No, good on him. He also go. He also supports Essendon. Sixty-three, so, sorry, pick sixty-three. Yeah, he goes. Yeah. For, he didn't mind either. All his dad likes Essendon, so happy days. Look, he's on the list. That's all you can hope for. Um, the biggest thing was obviously so. Whilst they went to the national draft and develop and went for future development, they went straight to the rookie draft with their eye on the immediate future and drafted Mitch Hibbard. Um, so you probably remember Mitch Hibbard from uh, North Melbourne. He played a little bit of back pocket and half back flank. Yeah, played like and, round one and then got dropped or something and absolutely. hurt everybody. And was a bit of a spud, to be honest. When he, he was. was on the field, he was slow, he was cumbersome. He didn't score well. He went back to the VFL and he averaged 128 points per game last year. His first year in the VFL. In the midfield. In, straight in the midfield. Straight as an in inside midfielder averaging 24 disposals and 7 tackles. Uh, I think that is an immediate need. They do not really have a big body inside mid apart from Heppel. And Cutler, if you throw him in there, well, Cutler's pretty again, big. He's a think, big boy. I don't, I don't think, think he's inside. inside. He's no, me, inside. I don't think he's inside either. But he's a bigger boy. They to, need some. To me, it's it's highly likely. I think that he plays round one, um, and I think you can only play him as a midfield. I think he's proved that he's not a great behind the ball player. He's not really an in front of the ball player either. So, I think he's a midfielder, and I think he will get some midfield rotation minutes early on, especially if people are coming back from injury. Um, so he'll probably be in most people's starting squads. I agree. Um, probably one of the most owned players if he gets uh, named. Like on field. I mean, yeah. it's early. Watch the preseason, but oh yeah, he'll be if he gets named round one. He's over easily 70 percent of sides. He should be yeah. too. He's also a bit of a cut price rookie. He's one hundred fourteen k mid. Um, so that gives you a little bit of bonus. One thing I really don't like, Supercoach this year, they've dropped out a lot of the 102k rookies. So many. So they've just basically screwed with you. Yeah, no but then hopefully we get some supplement players like we did last year. In the mid-season draft? Yeah, or even just before the seasons. Some teams are holding out. Oh, they yeah, still yeah. have time to pick yeah. up some supplementary In players. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so cool. I think they get a double dip. I think they get one before the season starts to fill if they in case they get an injury. Yep. They get to fill someone at the start of the season, and then they get to pick them up halfway through. Perfect. Um, now the other the other consideration, I don't think he's going to um, matter in terms of supercoach, but I think he will get games this year. Um, they drafted him last year, and they highly touted small forward Irving Mosquito. Yes. Um, the problem is obviously he's a low possession full pocket player, so he's a pressure player. I don't think he's going to score well in Supercoach anyway, so you probably yeah. want to avoid him. But he yeah. will get games, maybe a downgrade option during the season. Yeah, it's hard it though. Goes. It's like we had a lot of them last year where you go, oh yeah, 40, 40, 40, and you're like, oh yeah, great. And then they make you like a hundred if yeah, you're lucky. Pretty much, but just you know, keep an eye on him. I mean, I don't. If he does start round one, I wouldn't pick him. But if I had two games worth of knowledge about him, then you might Maybe. look at him. Yeah. So yeah. Then, then again, all you need is an eighty game, and then you spike in price. Absolutely. So if he comes in, or he goes could be. You're saying he, you go, he, oh, we'll pick him well, up. You're saying anyway. he could be the bolter of 2020, oh. and not in a good way. <laughs> B a l t a. Hey, bolter ended up going all right for me, man. Ended up because everyone else fell over. Absolutely. Anyway, 
Um, and look, that's the rookies in a nutshell. Um, I, I think instead of uh, terms of preseason watch, definitely be watching Hibbard, uh, Parrish and Smith to see their roles in the preseason and how the mid-time is going to be managed between the three of them um, before, before I do anything. Because they are very, very important considerations uh, for your team. So those are the three that I'll definitely be watching. Um, breakout contenders. I've got Andy McGrath. It's possible. However, he's a midfield only. I know. He, I literally put a capital letters. Lost DPP status and he's only mid only. That sucks. That does he's suck. He's in my keeper league. Oh. And he can't even put him in defense, which I knew was going to happen eventually because he's meant to be a midfielder. However, like this doesn't give me much confidence. He had 10 scores between 52 and 68. Yep. Right? He averaged 79.3 his first 11. So I'm like, okay, this is looking pretty good, McGrath. You're doing okay. Lots of 75s and 80s and whatever have you. And then he goes and averages 66 his last 11 rounds. Yeah. What um, are you doing? Hopefully, now that you have some injuries, and um, so like David Zaharakis, only draft relevant, don't even go near him. Uh, but he had, get this, he had an end-of-season ankle surgery. Then he had swelling in his knee during the preseason. So like, right, we better classic. fix that up. So then he had surgery on, his, on a torn meniscus. And that was only just before Christmas, so I would avoid him. Um, you can't win. Oh, it's just so many. Like, even then, like, hooker, end-of-season hip surgery, right? Expecting to be running back in, in January. So, Heppel had end-of-season foot surgery. Shield has a meniscus issue. Um, Danaher obviously hasn't even rejoined training this year, like, since surgery. So, Fantasia, end-of-season hip surgery. Danaher um, will never get back in the park. They should have traded him. Oh, they should have. 100%. If, especially if they're not playing for this year. 100%. Traded him. 100%. They would have got a freaking monster um, for him. Anyway, so I do agree with you in McGrath. I'm just hoping he... Yeah, he was a pick number one. So just throw him in the middle. Get that contested ball. Hopefully he's especially a bit again, if now. it's a development year for him. They need to. They need to. Parrish and McGrath. Absolutely. The midfield of the, the next the century. The issue with that in terms of super coaches, he's 399k. Nah, don't so pick It's him. too expensive to, to, draft, to choose for a breakout anyway. Draft, bench option, maybe. Give it a go. But yeah, definitely one to watch. Give and, it a go. Um, I, I wish we had better news for Essendon, but I think it's going to be a long season for Essendon. And if they make the eight, good on them. But I, I can't see. I can't see him going deep in the eight. No. no, it's like if you make it again, then this will be another lo- another year. In the first round of the, the finals. No, like, and and I Essendon do play a, a good oh, dude, brand that, of football, but that game last year it was over a quarter time, mate. I know they they got dominated. I like watching Essendon play, but again, if they do make the finals, I can't see them running deep. So I think their their run and their streak of not winning a finals game will continue, unfortunately. And no one. We, we're sorry them. that we don't have better news for you guys. But yep. that's our that's our, our thoughts, right? Correct. Hey, the Lions haven't won a final in a while either, so don't worry. Yeah. But that's pretty much it. I don't think there's any more standard relevant draft relevant. No, that's it. That's it. Thank anyway, you very much, guys. Thank have you very much. Uh, next is Fremantle, so do stay tuned. And uh, look, until next time, stay safe and be blessed. See you guys. Bye. The C is for the courage I possess through the drama. H is for the hurt, but it's all for the honor. A is for my attitude, working through the patience. Money comes and goes, so the M is for motivation. Gotta stay consistent, the P is to persevere. The I is for integrity, innovative career. The O is optimistic, open and never shut. And the N is necessary, cause I'm never giving up. See, they ask me how I did it, I just did it from the heart. Crushing the competition, been doing it from the start. They say that every champion is all about his principles. Carry. Bye.